Hi, my name is Theo, and you are listening to Between Two Trains. We bring you the best and brightest entrepreneurs in the North DeKalb area on the 1st and 15th of every month. Today, your co-hosts are Van Pappas and Eric Most. And now, Between Two Trains. All right, welcome to another edition of Between Two Trains, a business podcast where we bring you the best and brightest entrepreneurs every two weeks. And back again, it's just been a couple of uh, weeks here. My co-host is Eric Moss. Eric, how are you? Howdy. I'm doing well. I really enjoyed the last episode you were on where we had Lee Miller and uh, the great stories around some of your basketball and football exploits. But today, we're not going to talk about sports so much. Um, We have a great uh, guest that we're going to bring on in a second, but just... Remind our audience, uh, your business year with Chase Bank, right? Tell us exactly what you do at Chase Bank. I'm a business banker, a commercial lender, handling all depository, treasury, cash management, and lending needs for small, properly held companies. Okay. So Shambly's got over 2,000 small businesses. Uh, unlike most of our counterpart cities around us, we don't have the big conglomerates. We're not like Dunwoody with... Uh, you know, State Farm and Mercedes. We have a lot of small businesses. And so that's right in your wheelhouse, right? Absolutely. A lot of S-Corps, LLCs, you know, when the taxes flow through to the owners of the company, those are the the types of organizations that I work closely with. Excellent. It's fun. Well, we got a small business owner here with us today, Grant Yarbrough of Common Good Strategies. Grant, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me. All right, so tell us exactly what Common Good Strategies is. So Common Good is a uh, strategic consulting uh, organization. We uh, we work with small businesses, nonprofits, uh, medium-sized businesses, um, really helping them figure out who they are as a, as a brand um, and how to reach the, the target markets that they want to reach. So you and Eric really are should partner up, it sounds like. He's sure, helping with yeah. the finance side. <laughs> you're helping with the marketing and strategy side. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think of that, Eric? I'm, I'm open. I'm open to business. All right. After, All right. after the show, y'all can talk and uh, come up with a strategy, a common good strategy. Absolutely. So, Grant, who um, tell us, is there like you've been doing this for now a couple of years, right? How did this form? How did this start? You know, because you weren't always in the entrepreneurial world, right? You actually sure. used to be uh, an employee for other companies. What caused you to make that shift? So um, actually, Common Good was started by my wife, uh, Holly, about 25 years ago. Oh, um, like how? 25 years? Up in, yep. Up in, I didn't uh, know Holly was DC. that old. Well, she, she started early. Was she early. like 10 years old uh, when she started it? Yeah, a little, she was of age. Okay. Um, but uh, she started in D.C. doing some uh, graphics work and, and strategic uh, strategic communications work. And, uh, and that was her, her full-time career as well. So uh, she was working primarily with government, uh, government agency or government nonprofits, um, things like I think her full time job was with Youth, Youth Vote Coalition. Um, so you remember like Choose or Lose or things like that. Uh, she would work with uh, similar organizations for their sort of one off needs. Um, so when she when she and I got married, uh, I guess I inherited uh, you know half ownership in the company. Um, and after 2015, I was uh, late or. 2015, 2016, I was laid off from my from a nonprofit job, uh, and decided to take on a, a full time role with Common Good. Uh, just to see see what I could make of it, see what what business opportunities were out there. I knew there were a lot of companies that 
people have come up to me and said, you know, hey, we have all these needs. Um, and so I kind of took that on and, and ran with it for a while. Uh, and uh, it was awesome. Um, it was, uh, we had a couple of clients, uh, some, some, health, uh, some pet nonprofits, um, had some legal, nonprofit, or legal uh, firms, sort of small, uh, single owner uh, legal firms, um, a health business. Uh, and, uh, and yeah, we just helped them really, you know, but I, I say business owners, they are passionate about what they want to do. Um, but sometimes it takes somebody coming in from the outside to kind of look over their shoulder and say, well, what is it you're trying to accomplish? You know, let's sort of talk through this together. Um, and then we can figure out, you know, who you should be advertising to, uh, and, and what, what you're actually trying to sell. Cause in many cases, when you're a single, single business, single business owner, you're really selling yourself. Um, and so you're, you're between yourself and your product you really have to figure out how to message that correctly to the right audience. How hard is it to interact with those single business owners? Because, you know, my experience is that, you know, solo entrepreneurs or entrepreneurs that maybe have a dozen or so employees, they are pretty tight to hold on to their, their baby, if you will. You know, is it difficult for you to come in and sort of say, hey, this is what you should do and it be counter to what they've done? So that's kind of what I see as one of my strengths is, is really coming in and working with them. Um, uh, you know, the first thing I ask is, you know, tell me your story. Why did you start this? What, what did you what problem did you hope to solve? Um, and that's the thing they're going to be most passionate about. And they're really going to going to let their their true colors, their true business colors shine in, in that explanation. Um, and then often what I'll do is I'll take what they say and show them. And I say, OK, your website, does it match what you just told me? You know, your social media, does it match is the tone of your social media, what you're what you're putting on there, does it match that story you just told me? And oftentimes, uh, you know, they don't always line up. So um, really, the, the, the biggest issue for small business owners that I've found is, is budget, uh, just because you're, you know, you're trying to get off the ground, you're, you're, you're strapped for cash. Um, and so investing in, in marketing is, is something that, uh, you know, you're looking for immediate ROI and, and maybe something you kind of put off. Um, but as you know, marketing is the thing that really drives business and drives customers to your business. So it's a thing you can't afford to, to neglect. Well, as, as my wife um, happily reminds me, most good ideas originate with her. It sounds, <laughs> sounds like you've uh, learned that as well. The, uh, the, old Greek, the old Greek saying that the, uh, the man may be the head of the dog, but the wife is the neck and the neck turns the head whichever direction it should go, right? I, it, it's all great to me. It's all great. Well, so how exactly do you go about getting your clients or customers? You know, you're, you're I mean, you have to, in essence, do the same thing you're teaching your customers to do. So what what sort of sources do you go after? I mean, you're not going door to door knocking, saying, hey, here's my card. You know, do you want to hire me? What are you doing? Yeah, so, uh, and it is, you know, oftentimes you hear the phrase, you know, the cobbler's, cobbler's kids have no shoes, so I have to remember that I have to practice what I preach. Um, but a lot of what I do is um, some social media, uh, you know, I'll have a presence on LinkedIn. Um, oftentimes it's, it's satisfied customers will refer me um, to, to their vendors or friends or clients um, and uh, and really just, just networking, um, finding uh, things like the Chambly Chamber, uh, other small chambers of commerce, and, and larger chambers of commerce, um, and really looking for areas that are maybe underserved, um, knowing that they're you know they're, they're the smaller guys, and so um, 
they're not getting uh, the opportunities to, to work with a, a qualified agency. Um, another thing that uh, I've started to do lately is go to um, sort of industry conferences. Um, so things like, you know, uh, independent plumbers associations, independent, um, you know, financial planners, people who um, are all getting together to talk shop in their industries, but they may not have anything, any idea of, um, of marketing or what's needed. Um, and so I can kind of come there and learn more about their, their industry. Um, and then I'm the only marketing guy there. Well, and there's, you know, I'll run across this from time to time in, in my day to day where you found somebody who has amazing skills with their business and really it started as a hobby for them. They learned how to monetize it and now they want to scale it and they reach a point inevitably where it becomes a hurdle of how do you really do that? Um, not necessarily how you do it, but how do you do it effectively? And um, question grant, you know, when you come across that that business that whatever their mission is, whatever problem they're solving, when, when they're about to pop, and you may recognize it before they do, and that missing link may be the marketing, how do you convey that to where they, the light bulb goes off? Um, I, so I, <laughs> I have a philosophy background, so I, I like to phrase things as sort of in the Socratic method. Yeah. Um, but really, it's, it's, you know, I can't, I don't see myself as telling them what they can do. I, so I like to sort of lead them to, to a conclusion. Um, and really, it's just, you know, it could be a combination of, you know, everyone wants, you know, you're, you're at max capacity for, for your current setup. You know, what's how do you get from uh, where you are now to, to being max capacity at the next level up? Um, and and when they sort of him and haw on that, I say, you know, you got to bring in new customers and you got to you got to scale your marketing. Um, but I'll also show them, you know, how I'm not going to say easy, but how straightforward sometimes it can be to just invest a little bit uh, in, a, in a paid social strategy because organic social is not doing you any favors. Um, Facebook killed it off a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but letting them see that, that it is possible, it is doable, um, and that they're already doing it. They just they need that extra push uh, to get to the next level. So you're going into the business, you're sort of sitting down and strategizing with them and they say, yeah, Grant, this is the greatest idea ever. Are you then helping with the actual implementation or are you paid at that point and say, okay, here's my plan, go do it. And, you know, how much are you dealing with the customer after the strategy has been developed? Mm -hmm. Uh, It kind of depends on what their needs are. Um, Things like, and I'll, I'll say things like social media, um, is probably one of the more expensive things you can invest in as a company, um, just because you have to be on all the time, uh, you know, constantly. I think the, the the go-to number of tweets a day is upwards of 30. Um, you know, you post on Facebook five or six times a week, figure it takes two or three hours to really research and, and know um, what you're doing there. LinkedIn, Pinterest, um, uh, Instagram, Snapchat, you know, there's you finding all of those platforms and being there, um, what I do is I recommend they, they find two or three that they're really, really the best fit for their company. Um, but, you know, things like um, Google AdWords, you know, we can we can set up where uh, I, I'll set up their initial um, initial campaigns and to be on a retainer to, to check and, and tweak and optimize on an ongoing basis. Um, again, depending on how 
involved it is. Um, if, it, if I know it's because because right now it's me. Um, so I know if it's out of my scope, um, you know, I have a couple of other uh, contacts I work with or, or we'll feed them uh, business saying, you know, hey, I have this client. I, we've done the strategy for them, but, uh, you know, I'm not able to give them all the service they need. You know, would you be would you want to take them on? Um, and so that way, the client really gets uh, the best of both worlds. They get the, the full plan and they can, you know, they can leave and shop from there if they want, or I can uh, hand it off to someone else or, and work with them to do that, um, or I can work with them. Um, ongoing uh, to, to execute the strategy. Let's change gears for a second and talk about being a business owner and an entrepreneur. So we've got, you know, what we do, and it sounds like you do a great job with that side. What's it like being a business owner, running the business, having to deal with, you know, all the other things that come with being an entrepreneur, not just, hey, I know how to advise these people on their social media strategy or whatever it is I'm advising, but you know, the day-to-day stuff. Uh, terrifying. Um, because you weren't, you were working for a nonprofit, so you weren't necessarily dealing with some of that stuff. Right. And, and I had been in uh, development fundraising for, for nonprofits. So I was understanding of, of the sales process. Um, I wouldn't say I'm a, I'm a great salesman from a uh, traditional salesman perspective. Um, I just like talking to people and figuring out if I can help them. Um, and so it's kind of a, a self-selecting my clients is, is the people who I can continue to have those conversations with and then eventually go, okay, I got to start charging you. Um, but all the other stuff, um, it's just, uh, it's, it's been a good learning opportunity, growth opportunity for me to sort of work on those operations, finances, you know, uh, P and L statements, um, tax, law, um, employees, contractors, uh, all that kind of stuff, legal. Um, you, know, you have to know a little bit of everything, uh, or at least to know enough to find the people who can help you and, and not get uh, not get bad advice. Um, and, and again, that's how it is with, with digital marketing as well. Is you, you, you as a business owner need to know at least enough to ask good questions, uh, and that's something we help with as well. I was going to say, you know, working with working with you know, your spouse, your wife, um, are there times where y'all uh, have different visions in terms of where what, what needs to be done, where the company's going? Yeah, we've been pretty um, aligned. Uh, she's she's mostly taken, she, well, she's been uh, pregnant for, I guess, 18 of the last 36 months. So, <laughs> so she's kind of taken a back seat. Um, uh, while still, she, she reminds me that she owns a 51% share. Oh, so yes, of course. I am the junior partner. That backseat is filled up, yeah. it sounds like. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, the minivan is, is definitely on the horizon. Um, but um, but we, we share a, a, pardon the pun, common uh, look at what we want to do. Um, I think, you know, you asked about other businesses getting to the point of scale. Um, and I think that's where we may have to have some more uh, difficult conversations and see uh, How do you what, add what, that next person? Right. What we each what we each want to do. Would you consider adding another partner, or she's pretty much like, "Hey, it's bad enough I had to give up forty nine percent to my us. <laughs> I'm not adding another." I mean, what has that crossed your mind at all? Um, briefly, um, you know, we're not at that point yet, uh, operations wise, but um, I think. It depended on what role that person would play. Um, you know, if they were able to handle a lot of the, 
things that neither one of us wanted to touch. Um, what would be one of those things that you don't want to touch? What, what don't you like about your I, being an entrepreneur? You know, I really hate uh, uh, sales and, and business development. Um, I, you know, going out and, and um, I, I'll say this, it's one of those things where I feel like I'm repeating myself constantly. And, it, and uh, I like being able to do the new and the different and, and work with different people and figure out the problem, you know, having to do the, hi, I'm Grant, here's my business, you know, you should hire me spiel over and over and over again is, yeah. is difficult for me. Yeah. Uh, so it's one thing I've, I've learned patience and, and, and practice, but um, yeah, somebody else was out there doing the, the cold call and in the sales development and, and just handed them off to me. That'd be wonderful. Um, and then some sort of the back end, you know, finance and admin stuff too. And the best salespeople always deny their skill. <laughs> Yeah, it's tough. It took me a long time to, and I'll tell you a quick backstory. Um, I actually learned sales long before I was a financial planner. I used to be, you may not know this, Eric, I used to be a general manager for Best Buy. And so I had 100 plus employees. And the way I learned sales is I would watch these college kids sell products and I'd pick like pieces from them. So that's kind of how I learned it was by watching them sell. Um, but, you know, Grant, so you're now running the business. You've got, you're not sure whether you make the leap to adding an employee or maybe getting a salesperson, not quite sure whether another partner is, is the best move. Um, what would you say you need to do as far as scaling and also something we haven't talked about yet is how exactly do you charge people? Is it by the hour? Is it by the project? Yeah. So to your first question, I, I think, um, you know, this is where a lot of businesses find themselves and, and it's sort of a, a make or break point is because, um, you know, you have to take that plunge and decide, you hear about businesses where they, they invested their life savings or they uh, took out a you know big loan uh, not knowing if they could make the revenue to to pay off that investment, um, and I, you know, we're not there yet. Um, I don't know if we if we will be, but um, it it is something that that we think about from time to time, and and I think um, it's one of those things where, as I mentioned, you know, with, with the business, it's already at full capacity. Once we get to full capacity, then we'll we'll ask those questions. Mm-hmm. Um, and remind me your second. The, sec- the second question was exactly how do you go about charging? You know, because there's a lot of different models in this arena. You know, when you sit down with a customer and and do that pitch that you have to repeat sure. over yeah. and over. One of them, I'm assuming, is well, and this is how you would pay me. Right. You know, is it per the contract? Hey, this is what I'm going to do for you. It's going to cost X amount, or is it by the hour? You know, what is your model? So uh, we're flexible. We'll work with the client uh, for a different, for a lot of different things. It kind of depends on um, what the the project is, uh, but we'll do, um, you know, we'll do hourly project work. We'll do a, a fixed price contract, um, and we'll do a retainer. Um, so really, it's uh, you know depend. If I know it's going to be a lot of hours, a lot of iterations, um, probably going to go more with an hourly or retainer. If I know that it's a pretty straightforward process, you know, setup uh, or um, you know, deliverance of a, of a like a, uh, a media plan, for example, um, then it can be more of a fixed price. Um, but it kind of depends on on what the work scope entails. 
Well, you mentioned earlier about LinkedIn, and I'm, I'm pretty passionate about LinkedIn. Um, I feel like I've got a pretty good handle myself on how to, to generate business through LinkedIn. Um, tell us, can you give us some free tips to our clients, uh, our listeners here, you know, what they should be doing with LinkedIn, you know? Yeah. So uh, unfortunately, one of the tips I was going to give you, they just did away with um, where you could uh, basically download your entire contact list and have their emails. Um, so they just made that an opt an opt in setting and set everybody's default to private. So they, they kind of cut off that that avenue for small businesses. However, there are there are still people um, who will let you contact them via email that they list in their LinkedIn. So that's that's absolutely something you can do for free. Uh, it's fairly easily easy. You can just kind of just Google. I'm often I, I question when I go to someone's LinkedIn page and they haven't put a picture and they don't put you know their email or phone number there. It's like aren't you missing half the purpose of LinkedIn? It's to get people to call you. If you don't put your phone number in there, you think it's fake news? I don't know. Sometimes when I get those requests from you know just random people, I'm like, is this the Russians sending me a a LinkedIn request or is this a real person? Wait a second. Uh, <laughs> But, you know, I mean, what do you think about that? Should if you have a LinkedIn profile, should you be posting your phone number or email address or contact information? I, you know, at the, at the very minimum, I think I have my uh, my Twitter handle and a website, um, you know, something that there's a little bit of validation you can build into it or they have to take a, a little extra step. Uh, so it's, you're not inundated with bot uh, spam calls. Um but yes, I mean, I can see how I look at an underdeveloped LinkedIn profile as either uh, they're too busy to do it, uh, they don't see the value in it, or they're not a real person. Um, so, you know, between the three of those things, you know, is it worth it to reach out? Yeah. Um, I think a, a bigger thing is is the, uh, the analytics part of LinkedIn and knowing that uh, you can want to do a free trial for fifty dollars in free ad credits uh, mm-hmm. from LinkedIn and kind of see how that how that goes. Um, and you can just you know do some do some searching on you know once you've identified who your target audience is, uh, which is a, a big thing that most companies neglect. You know that the the internet is not your audience, um, but you can say you know hey I want to find sales managers of medium sized companies in Atlanta. Right. It'll let you do that. Now it's it's a little manual and its process, but, um, you know, you at least have a name you can reference when you call, you know, cold call a company, um, or you have, uh, you know, maybe you figure out that they uh, don't use the, the standard titles. And so it kind of gives you that little extra, um, leg up, uh, to do your research and, and sort of let, you know, people, people will tell you who they are and, and give you a lot of information. If you do that little backend research, um, I, I have to say LinkedIn was great for, uh, for fundraising, um, just to figure out who people knew, you know, we we would contact a donor at one business um, and find out that they knew, you know, the president of another business and say, you know, hey, thanks for the donation. Will you contact us with this other guy? Um, what do you think of this? Staying on this LinkedIn sure. thing. On LinkedIn, you have that little paragraph at the beginning that sort of you can tell who you are and what you do. It really drives me crazy when people write in that in the third person. It's like talk like you're talking to someone. I Maybe think they hired somebody like Grant to write it. I mean, what do you think it's better to talk like you would just be saying, "Hey, I'm so and so," or should you put that third, third party? Because it bugs me. But maybe from a marketing strategy standpoint, it's it's better to do. 
Sure. So uh, this is where my wife shines. Um, and I agree with her. It's test it. You know, it doesn't matter what people think. Um, you know, people will fill lots of airtime and, and blog posts with what they think, but test it and see what works for you, what business you're in, uh, you know, where you are in your career, what you're trying to do, who you're trying to talk to. Um, you know, I've seen articles both ways. Um, uh, I think mine, part of mine is in the third person. Um, but then it's also just a Grant's got a split personality. Yeah, I, he doesn't know whether he's talking from himself or to himself. I knew it when he said philosophy. I like to. Oh, like it's it. the philosophy yeah. background. That's what it is. Yeah. Uh, Grant does not condone this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, I've seen both ways, and it just kind of you know, try it, try it, and try different things, and, and change one thing at a time. But but see what works. You know, do it. Say, you know, I'm gonna do this this month and this next month, and. See if you get more leads or more contacts or, you know, a raise, uh, whatever your, your metric of success is, you sure. can test it based on that. Well, we have to take a short break to hear from some of our sponsors, but we're going to be right back and we're going to play our fun game that we play every episode called Hot or Not. So stay tuned to Between Two Trains. Looking for an affordable, functional and creative space to work? Check out 3411 Coworking in downtown Chambly. They have flexible month-to-month office space options that include fiber internet, meeting rooms, printing, coffee, snacks, and networking events. 3411 Coworking is the perfect place for entrepreneurs, remote workers, and small business owners looking for a one-stop shop for your professional needs. Stop by for a tour Monday through Friday from 9 to 5 and see how 3411 Coworking can work for you. Hi, this is Jeff Hill with Remote Home Check. This is Regina Weir. Hi, this is Greg Burke. Hey, Jan Levy. Hi, this is Margaret from 3411 Coworking, and you've been listening to Between Two Trains. Welcome back to Between Two Trains, a business podcast. You can hear us on the 1st and 15th of every month, and uh, we have some great entrepreneurs lined up coming up in the coming weeks, so stay tuned and listen to all the back episodes on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or just go to our website at BetweenTwoTrains.com. So we're going to play our fun game, Grant. I think you know this game called Hot or Not. We're going to ask you to tell us whether this statement is a hot thing or not such a hot thing. So even though your business is more than two decades old, and we probably should have had your wife on here with you, but I know Always, it's challenging yes. with little kids and whatnot. Maybe, maybe we should have the kids on here. Um, but creating a business plan, is that a hot thing for a young, new entrepreneur to do? Should you have a business plan? So, uh, you know, I did not create a business plan. Uh, I probably should have. I, I guess it's never too late to create one. Um, I, I think it is valuable. Uh, I'll, I'll say hot on that because it, it focuses you and makes sure you don't have scope creep. Uh, it, it sort of it has something for you to always come back to and say, is this, am I following what I said I was going to do? Mm-hmm. Or do I need to revise it? So, yes, I, I go with hot on that. Hot on that. You think it's hot, Eric? Very hot. Yeah. Putting putting stuff in writing, pen to paper, helps. It's something you can measure. I tell you what I do is every November I do a business plan for the next year. I map out how many clients I need to bring in, what kind of revenues I need to hit, what my expenses are going to be. I do a budget on my marketing. How much am I going to spend on things like LinkedIn and other sources? So yeah, I'm I'm actually I think it's more than hot. I think it's super hot. You should absolutely do that once a year. Map out what your year looks like. You think it's caliente hot? It is. It is, definitely. Five chili peppers. Five, maybe six. (laughs) It's like your business. I mean, with with financial planning, right? I mean, you can hope 
for long-term success. And you may hit it, but if you plan for it and you can measure towards that plan, you're much more likely to hit the mark. Yeah. I found early on in my career that the years that I didn't do something like that, the year would just be an aimless swash of trying to get business or not getting business. And I had no way of knowing if I was doing a good job or not because I had no metric to, to measure it up. Mm-hmm. You know, at the end mm-hmm. of the year, I said, oh, well, I got X number of clients. Well, was that good or bad? Mm-hmm. You know, so. Well, and I'm sure when asking guys like Eric for money, it always helps to have something written down and to show them on a piece of paper. <laughs> You know, I've never seen negative projections here to date. <laughs> the, the, the businesses don't come to you business, guys. Business plans Please always, give us money. Business plans always We're losing got, money. Read this essay. It ends in disaster. And oh, by the way, I, we need a loan. No, it's um, it's always good. It's a framework, right? You know, the, the job is, is to build from there. Um, but it's better to have that framework than, you know, than to not. In my experience, but there's different strokes, different folks. And that's what's beautiful about this life is you kind of get to learn different stories and not everyone's the same. I just noticed his little lapel. I mean, this is how passionate he is about Chase Bank. He's got the little Chase emblem on his jacket. I love that. I need to get an oxygen one of those. I'm a walking billboard. (laughs) (laughs) So I've got a question, hot or not, going back to the LinkedIn. Um. LinkedIn premium, you get the gold IN, you know, next year LinkedIn, but in terms of the value, your opinion, hot or not? Yeah, good one. I think it, again, goes back to what you're trying to accomplish. Like, man, you know, you got to, you set your ROI, say, hey, I'm going to spend this much money a month or a year. Um, what am I hoping to get out of it? Yeah. And again, you, you have to track and, and make sure you attribute your sales to the right place. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, again, testing. If it if it if it works, great. You know, if it if it doesn't work, then don't do it again. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, don't go. Maybe not go all in the, uh, on the first time. You know, give, they give you a free trial, check it out and see if it works. Uh, personally, I think, and I've I've done it before with the with the trial. I think the uh, the little you know premier star next to people's names, a little sign of uh, either recruiter or a salesperson, and not much other than that. Mm-hmm. So you don't think it uh, to to have the paid service over the free service? You're not sure that that really buys you that much. I mean, you know, if you're a plumber, probably, probably not. not. Uh, you know, if you're if your goal is to find sales leads on LinkedIn, yeah. It depends. Yeah, it's a classic bank classic banker's answer. <laughs> well, it depends. Also, That's, yeah, it's, it's a marketing answer too. Yeah, and, uh, it, it depends on what your goals are and what your strategy is. I'm going to change gears on the next hot or not. Um, and this is sort of a dual hot or not, because I ask this just about every episode and I get the exact same answer. So I want to change it up a little. Typically, I say hot or not Shambly. And people say, yeah, Shambly is really hot. And y'all both might be biased because you not only work in Shambly, but you live in Shambly. So you got double thing. So let's change it up. Brew pubs in Shambly. Hot or not? So I haven't been to the newest one. Uh, been to Hopsticks. So I'll put it this way: I, I was going, I was talking to some friends, and I said, you know, is there any? Do bars exist anymore? A place where they don't sell food? You, you know, they may have peanuts, but you can only get a beer, or a cocktail, or wine. Um, and so with the brew pubs, I, I think it's a sign. Uh, you know, I'm glad they're here. I think they're great economic drivers. Um, but sometimes, you know, I don't want to pay $8 for a beer. I want to pay $3 for a beer. Uh, 
You know, you just go to like, yeah, I, for lack of a better phrase, the rusty nail. Uh, you yeah. ever been to the rusty nail? I Eric's not. like, I don't know what the hell you're talking about. Rusty nail is a long time. It went just bar. It's a bar. They have a little food, but All for right. the most part, it is like bar. I mean, from 1960s or whenever they started, early 70s. Uh, it's on Buford Highway. You should go check it out. Buford yeah. Highway and North rusty, Does Rusty Nail ever get hammered? <laughs> it is pretty brutal in there. I love the place. I don't go very often, obviously. But uh, when you, you get go, hammered at the rusty When you go hammer. in, you're like, this is like a 70s bar. You know, very dark wood. And it's what you're talking about. You know, because they got rid of all the bars in Buckhead. That right. used to be the place. You yeah. had, you know, a whole row of nothing but bars. And you're right. That doesn't really exist anymore. I, I think that is. is uh, Mose and Joe's. Down on Mose and Joe's. Uh, Virginia Highlands. The Elbow Room in Buckhead. You ever been to the Elbow Room? Not been to the Elbow Room. Mm-hmm. Mose and Joe's, though, is a great place. I'm showing my age here. <laughs> More of a red door, Churchill's. Oh. Okay. Five paces. Okay. Now, I worked in a bar for three years, so I can, I, the smell brings back some PTSD sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine. Well, we have a, a little bit more time, Derek. Do you have any more Hunter Knots for? Yeah, Hunter Knot. You, you work with an array of industries, nonprofit and profit. So between the two, um, if you had your, your ideal scenario, Hunter Knot working with nonprofits. So again, I'll, I'll split the difference on that. Yeah. I, you know, I, there's the trend or, or Trendy uh, is the the, um, the for profits that, that give back significant amounts of, of their revenue or their their uh, profit, and uh, I forget the name of, of what that business model is called. But you know, I think that's that's the best way to go. I um, I, I hear that people say, you know, oh, you know, nonprofits can step in and solve all our problems, and uh, and that's not true. Um, you know, they're they're small businesses with limited resources, even the, even the giant ones like American Cancer. Um, you know, their cancer funding is expensive and they're, they're never going to be able to, to you know, do it on their own. Um, I saw somewhere that we should think of nonprofits as incubators for government policy. Um, and I thought that was a really good way of looking at it, of, you know, allowing these small organizations to really test things out and do it in a democratic way because they're you know, finding funders um, for their for their uh, projects. So um, so the, the, the corporate uh, entities that can do something. Um, that has a need, people will pay for it, but uh, so it's got a sustainable business model, mm-hmm. but, um, but then they give back and, and, and meet the needs of, of either people who can't afford that service but need it um, or, or you know, have a pet, pet passion that they can support as well. Mm-hmm. One last hour, Nat, and then we got to run is um, this will go since, you know, you qualify for it. Marrying an entrepreneur, hot or not. And remember, your wife is probably going to listen to this show, so make sure you answer correctly. Uh, no comment. No comment. Plead the fifth. He pleads the fifth. We can take that. Too hot to handle. I think it's tough. I think it's really tough because typically entrepreneurs are A-type personalities, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, to be married to one is, is challenging. I know what you're doing kind of working with your wife, it's her business, and you've taken over the day-to-day stuff. Um, I know I couldn't do that with my wife. I love my wife dearly, but there's no way we would survive. Marriage in general is just difficult. Oh, that's a totally different story for a completely <laughs> different type of podcast. I will, say, I will say this. I, I saw uh, there's a new thing of like um, 
they're basically like bed and breakfasts that cater to remote workers. And so they're popping up all over the place, especially in like beach locations, resort locations. So I did run that idea by my, by my wife and she loved it. So, uh, you know, if we, if we get to that point, we'll go live on a beach in Fiji and just work remote from there. I love it. Ran it up the flagpole and she saluted. Yeah. Well, we got to run because we're out of time. I want to thank uh, one of our great sponsors, uh, 3411 Coworking, for once again letting us uh, use their space. Uh, come check them out. They're a great organization. Thank you, Grant, for coming on the show. We appreciate it. And Eric, once again, me. another great episode with you. I uh, appreciate it. I hope you can come back and do some more of these with me. And uh, we will be back in a couple of weeks with another great entrepreneur. So stay tuned. Thank you.